Hey guys, I just wanted to reach out to you and let you know that Surewinder is still selling amazing products. Some of you guys have been dragging your feet for whatever reason. If your shoulder hurts, do not waste time. Pull the trigger. I just bought uh, four or five of them and uh, we had two guys out. You know how much it cost me to pay for two guys being out with bad shoulders? We just pulled the trigger and we said, listen, everybody's going to have one on a truck. It's mandatory. You got to use it. Don't hesitate. Don't wait till your guys go down. It's going to cost you more. Buy a Surewinder. It's not every day someone invents something that changes the game. I found out about this product that I'm talking to you about, uh, and I had to try it. So I ordered a few, and after using it, I'm sold. Now we stock them on our trucks. It's called All Brace, and it will help you sell more service and buy you time until doors come in. There's never been a greater time for a product like this. Phil has a video on his website of him cutting a door literally in half, installing the All Brace, and running it like nothing ever happened. It is literally incredible. One of the greatest selling videos I've ever seen. You're going to want to check it out at all-brace.com. Hey guys, welcome to Torch Talk Podcast. Your host, Ryan here. We also have Tamara, who's no longer in a square box. Yay! Yay! Tamara's <laughs> uh, got a new computer, so uh, she's up to date now. Uh, she upgraded from her 1982 computer to a new MacBook, uh, which I had sent to her so we could get her out of the square box. Sweet. I feel so free. Don't you? You got all this space. On all the this screen. room beside me. <laughs> All right. So uh, today I have a special guest. Her name's Kristen Brown, and she's with the Hoot Company. And in our in our research of trying to find people who are innovators, uh, people who really value culture, uh, I came across her website, and I kind of like the way they positioned themselves. And so, um, if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, she described before that she's turned her podcast room into like a Zen room. So I want to hear about that too. But uh, welcome, Kristen. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, glad you're here. Thank you for coming on board. Uh, I know our listeners are going to get a lot out of today. And uh, we've been talking a lot about hiring. We've been talking about culture, how to keep great talent. Um, but culture is like the one thing to me that I feel is most important things that you can do as an employer is uh, create a positive culture. And so um, what did I say, Tamara? Hoot Company. Did I say Hoot Company? <laughs> no. <Nuh-uh. laughs> did I really? You did. We've been over this before the podcast. All right. It's Hoot Design Company. Oh, my God. I actually thought that was like a hilarious joke. I was like, Kristen damn. Was like, she's probably trying to kick me under the table. But she's not here. A virtual kick. She's like, listen. She's a, they're a branding company and she told me how important it is that we get it right. And I jacked it up. So, <laughs> so which I was like, that's hilarious. Yeah. You did that on purpose. I was like, well Who played. Design company. She's like, I don't like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Who design company. And, um, and so on their website, they believe culture is brand. And so I'd like Kristen to talk a little bit about, um, about how she came to that conclusion which is a unique twist. I don't see a lot of branding companies really go into that as like you guys do. So tell us a little bit about um, Hoot Design Company and <laughs> yourself and how you guys came about uh, that revolution. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and 
you know, this is something I'm so passionate about. So I love talking about it. Um, so we are a branding agency. We started in 2010. And at that point, we were a very uh, paper, we, we were a design company, hence the name. Um, so we really focused on custom paper goods, event design. It was basically a completely different company. Um, I had come from an ad agency background. Um, but you know, the grass is always greener. So I kind of wanted to do something different when I went out on my own and then by 15. So after about five years, it became very clear to me, we were trying to be a jack of all trades, you know, something I would never advise from a brand or marketing perspective. And so we really pivoted to be just branding and ad agency like, um, in 18, we pivoted again to really even niche down even further to just be a branding agency. And so as we started developing our own processes and what brand development looks like when you work with us over the past few years, it's just become so clear, you know, it's, it's moving to be so experiential, a brand is everything we like to say, you know, it's every touch point a consumer has. It's the way they describe your company and the way that you make them feel. People expect so much more from brands now. You know, we expect them to take a stand on big topics, um, to be leaders in not only their industry, but, you know, thought leaders as well. And, you know, you just cannot do that without strong internal culture. And does the internal, you know, reflect what, what the external does. Is it the same? I, I've read um, this, I have kind of studied historic agency out of Arizona. Um, they wrote a wonderful book called um, Culture Ate My Brand. And, um, and, and they really speak to this you know, concept of a zombie brand. So I don't want to take credit for that because I love that term so much. And a zombie brand being, you know, one that where the insides don't reflect at all what is being espoused on the outside. And so we have really kind of evolved our product offering in the way that we serve our clients to include figuring out who you are as the first step, because a lot of people skip right over that part. Um, and then we can leverage who you are, which is your brand identity, expand who you are through your own culture and your own team, and then share who you are, which is, that's the part most people are familiar with. You know, that's the advertising, the tagline, um, you know, the visuals, what does it look like when I step inside the building, et cetera. That's what people are most familiar with, but you really can't do that if you didn't do step one, which is who are you and why do you exist and why should we all care? And one of the things I think that's really different about our approach too, we are working with an organizational psychologist on the front end as well, because it can become almost like a therapeutic environment in the beginning, you know, figuring out who you are is really complicated. And so we don't want to get in over our heads um, in, in a space that we don't belong in that way. So that's been a really cool expansion of our services too, is to bring in someone who really knows what they're doing when it comes to that deep dive into the internal. That's awesome. So when did you guys, uh, how old is your company? So technically we started in 2010, but we were very different. We, you know, we pretty much pivoted to be a very different company in 15, right. which is when we stopped doing any custom paper. Like we used to do a ton of weddings and event paper, which you. is, you know, I wouldn't advise anyone go into that line of work. No. <laughs> Truly not. So, um, 
when you when you describe like a lot of things that you touched on are things that I've kind of read about and we talked a little bit about um culture prior to jumping on the podcast when it was just like uh where I was telling you about Zappos and um I read a lot of books and try to be proactive about uh different ways that we can uh treat our employees and um care for them and I think ultimately like from my perspective I run multiple businesses but the, the the biggest thing that contributes to my culture, in my opinion, is how I care for my people. Um, and uh, I think treating employees like people instead of like numbers is a critical p- component. So like, I think it's a trickle down effect from leadership, but once you get a core base of people in your organization to buy in, it's really no longer about the leadership. It's now about like accountability on the ground level, in my opinion. Um, how were you able to like shift the culture and get it where you wanted? Because that's not an overnight deal. Oh, definitely not. And I would say that's just an ever evolving process. You know, like we tell our clients, you're never done. And I think that's, I certainly don't feel done or like I've cracked some kind of code or we don't have any internal issues here. Um, we have 16 people now. Um, and so I feel like, you know, number one, I think that clarity is really what people need. You know, the, I think a major complaint that employees have and, and a major reason for them not being able to be engaged is lack of vision and clarity around what we're doing and why we're doing it, not just the how. You know, I think values, company values really help identify the how, like what are the behaviors that we exhibit here? You know, do we do we do a lot of lying? You know, are we, tra- when we say transparent, what does that mean? And, you know, how do we speak to each other, et cetera? But then I think that bigger question of why we're doing this is has been a challenge even for me the last few years. And that's become even more clear to me. But I wouldn't say I've cracked the code on culture and that we have no issues. I do think that um, one thing that owners have to get on board with now is it's just a different environment. You know, work is so different than it used to be. And it's so much, it's, it's so integrated into home and work and life and identity and who we are. And that's a big responsibility in people's lives, you know, to, to, that's kind of how I view it. It's just, I have such a big responsibility in these people's lives. This is where they spend so much of their week. This is why people put their children in daycare so that they can show up here. So I better make that a freaking good place to be in a place where people feel like it fills their cup. And, you know, and, and there are people that it doesn't fill their cup. You know, we have, we have a couple people exiting this business right now. Um, and I would say that we haven't been able to do that for them. Um, so in no way do I think I'm, you know, the queen of culture or anything, but I think because just the fact that I understand that it's ever evolving and it's an always ongoing effort and process, I think is probably step number one. Yeah. Have you, uh, are you familiar with Donald Miller? Yes. Story brand. Mm-hmm. I love him, by the way. Yes. And, um, I got hooked on him even before he got into like marketing stuff. He wrote a book called Blue Like Jazz. Have you mm-hmm. read that one yet? Mm-mm. So this is Blue Like Jazz is a book about his life 
um, how he went from like a small Christian community in a small town in Texas to like an extremely liberal school in, um, uh, what was it? It's in Washington, Portland, Portland, Oregon, actually. Um, he went to a liberal school in Portland, Oregon, and how he talks about how the transition from from that small town to this big city and the mindset of the people around him and how that affected his growth. And, um, and so it was, it's really, really, really good book. They actually made a movie about it and the mood, like, like all books, the movie's good, but it's not anywhere near, I think as impactful as, uh, I cannot believe I had no idea about that with him. Yeah, I mean, I've listened to his great. podcast. I've read that book multiple times and I had no idea about that. Yeah. <laughs> Blue like jazz. Blue like jazz. And okay. he tells this, like, he's such a great storyteller that when you're reading the book, you literally can't put it down because it's, and I'm not a book reader. I'm a listener, but I bought that book long, long time ago. Um, and I read it like two or three times because I loved it so much. Okay. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, and it, it's, it's super impactful too. Like, it's just got a good message to it, like all the way around for all parties and everybody. Like I just, uh, I don't know. I can't say enough about it. So when I heard he got into like marketing and was doing like story brand and stuff like that, I was like, holy cow, I know this guy, like not know him, but you know, I was like, I read blue like jazz and I watched the movie and I'm a fan. And mm -hmm. if he's into marketing, I got it. Cause he's a great storyteller. I've got to, I've got to listen to what he's got going on. So I follow him. I read story brand and everybody hears read story brand. Um, but do, does your why ever change? Like I'm having this conversation with people where like, I feel like my why changes. Does you, have you ever experienced that? Yes. I think that's such a great point. And we actually talk about this a lot because we talk about your purpose. You know, that's one of the things we really help our clients dig into is what is your purpose? And I think that that, if you would have asked me that in 2010, it would have been completely different. I mean, it was a completely different business. I was a completely different person. Um, so I think it absolutely can change and evolve. Um, I think that once you get to a point where you do have, like, I really hope at this point, my purpose doesn't shift very much because it's very broad. So Hoot's purpose at this point, my purpose, and I think the purpose of, of this company is to design a world in which people become their best selves at work. And in order to do that, we have to have a viable company. You know, you can't have a company that's not making any money, cannot be even a workplace where people can evolve. But then how does that, you know, how does, how do we help them also craft a culture in a workplace where people can become their best selves at work? Because I really do feel like work is a place, it, it shouldn't be a dirty word. You know, it's, I, I can't imagine an existence where I'm just clocking in and clocking out for a paycheck and I just am counting down the minutes until I'm gone. It's like, that sounds so soul sucking and, you know, and not something I want for myself or my kids. You know, it's like, you know, what type of place do you want for your kids to work? Well, one where they're fulfilled and satisfied, no matter what that is, whether they're gardeners or they're NBA basketball players, you know? So I think, um, I love being a part of people's stories in that way. And, and I hope that that is a purpose that we can settle on now. And even if this company evolves or pivots, or there are sister companies, you know, that that is the, at the heart of our purpose at this point, but you know, yeah, what, who, 
who can tell, like who saw that pandemic coming, you know, which has, I think really shaken so many societal things loose. Yeah, I think in 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 my industry, I own multiple companies, and one of them's a door company. And I I've always known if you hire people, if you hire the right people, which sometimes I was hiring people that I knew wasn't right, and it was disastrous. But I needed people, and uh, you find yourself in this position where you're like, okay, what do I do? And so I would hire people knowing that it was for a season, but it almost always backfired on me and was horrible exits. So I started focusing and standing strong on the idea that we're only going to hire people that fit our culture uh, first and foremost, and then we're going to treat them so well that they never consider a job anywhere else. And uh, it took years, really. Um, And then the pandemic happened. And I tell people like a lot of times they think I'm crazy, but that's the best thing that could have happened to me. Because now you have people in our industry who are looking for more than just a job with a paycheck. They want flexibility. They want paid time off. They want, they want benefits. They want 401k. They want uh, uh, someone who understands that, you know, family's important. And if something happens, they can leave and go take care of them. And a lot of guys in our industry, a lot of business owners aren't very flexible because we're so dependent on those people uh, because we're, so, we're like majority of uh, door companies are small companies. And so uh, it really hurts when someone takes off. But in reality, it hurts when you tell them they can't take off, like if they've got a sick child or their wife or whatever, like it. And so you have this environment where it's a conflict of interest financially to allow your employee to leave. But it's they don't understand that the conflict is really you lose the trust of the person by telling them they can't take off. And right now the pandemic has shifted what people are looking for in employers, in my opinion. And it's really helped me a lot, uh, finding great talent, uh, that one shift and just being persistent and consistent about the things that we believe in. Have you found the same thing with your company? Like, uh, because you guys focus on culture and, um, employees and everything since the pandemic has it been easier for you to find people with your uh, kind of mentality and how you pour into your people yeah I mean that's I think so interesting and something we specifically really try and be a great place for women too so I would say my internal you know mission is to be the best place for female creatives in this area And so I think that even has another, you know, layer there of complexity around flexibility and expectations and, you know, societal expectations and everything. So flexibility is something that we lean really hard into. Um, And we are, we do the type of work that can be done at midnight, you know, versus a a door company. So that's very convenient for us um, as far as, to me, flexibility is to decide when you work. So if you have a sick child or you have an appointment, you know, no problem, you get to decide to work late tonight. And and that's what I think a lot of people before you are a parent specifically, because really there's not, I don't think that there's a being a woman is, is, you know, such a unique experience in the workplace as until children are in the picture, you know, when children enter the picture, it is 
I, I would say a pretty big game changer. And, you know, that's what we know now, statistically, it's actually a motherhood penalty in the workplace that, with pay discrepancy. It's not actually just female versus male. Um, right. And I think that, you know, being able to have the flexibility to have kids and still be really invested in a career um, and doing something you really care about is something I feel so passionately about. And I think that has helped us recruit people for sure. I think there are women who are really burning out right now and and leaving the workplace in droves, just deciding that they can't handle it. Um, And I think that has given us a really great opportunity. I would say what's really unique in for me specifically is we do you know, we do branding work and we're in the middle of Missouri in a very affordable place to live. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a great place to live. Obviously, this is where I built my life. But um, with the rem- way remote work is going, you know, I think remote work will be really challenging for us. It's something that we were able to manage during the pandemic, but not something that I see us doing long term. And I what's interesting, I have a lot of people who want to do this type of work who want to live in big cities. This is like, that's something that fills their cup. And that's really hard for me. Cause even if I can give you all the flexibility and the benefits in the world, at the end of the day, it's a lot different salary required to live here than it is in Denver, Chicago, LA, for example. So that's our biggest, you know, that's one of our challenges right now, even though I think this is an incredible place to work culturally and environmentally. Um, I think from a pay perspective, that's probably one of my bigger challenges right now. How do I keep someone who's super talented, who wants to live in Denver, who might not be able to feel this culture as much when they're located in another state and needs 25 to 40% more in their salary just to compensate for the way for the place that they live, you know? Yep. So when I was in software, I had that same, those same challenges and it is extremely difficult to maintain company culture. When you have, like I had 25 people spread out all over the country. None of them were in Atlanta where I'm based. Um, so what we found was um, we saw it, it, it really was a lot of work for the leader. So, which was me at the time. <laughs> um, so we saw production drop. Um, after like, if there was no company engagement face to face over a certain amount of time, production would drop. So what, what we tested was I flew out, uh, to, I started, um, with the West coast, I would fly out and I would spend time with one of our guys, uh, or girls, uh, most of our employees actually were female and I would spend like two or three days with them and I would take them and their spouse out to dinner, like really just like hang out with them for two or three days and um, invest in them. We would work together. We'd go on calls together. We would make phone calls together. We'd critique each other and work on getting better. And then I'd leave. And then we would like watch their performance. And for the next three months, they would be like out of this world performing excellent. Uh, And then it would start to plateau and taper down. So we ended up it's bad enough for me. My, uh, I reported directly to the CEO. He calls me in his office. He's like, Hey Ryan, uh, this is good data. Uh, I want you to visit everyone at least twice a year. And I'm like, 25, yeah, 50 visits. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, 
Mm, this is great. My life just changed completely. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I had small children and, um, and so I ended up, uh, leaving there, but, uh, that, that was, it was important, right? Like when, when I would go visit them or we would fly them all in for like an annual event, or we started doing it twice a year where we'd fly people like everybody in, uh, we would do like a training. We kind of take a deep dive into numbers and product and, let the product team support team come in and um, and that helped a lot but I'm faced with a similar challenge with with my uh, media agency is you know they're wanting to work from home and we're having mm-hmm. these conversations because some of them drive like an hour over an hour to get here and I don't want that for them because I know they don't like it um, and I don't want to lose them um, so we're, we're working through like this thing so we started uh, work from home Fridays and so now everybody works from home on Fridays and they love it and so like, hey, what about uh, work from home Thursdays? And I'm like, yeah, going right. So um, but call me crazy. I'm going to go like you're, you're in the Zen room. So I feel like you're <laughs> the acceptance of this. Um, but I'm a I'm a true techie uh, at heart. Right. So have you um, have you had any experience or exposure to metaverse? No, no. Okay. So it's changing the way people interact with each other. So are you familiar with what a metaverse is? No. Okay. So there's actually uh, a metaverse is a virtual world. Okay. Um, You can build it out to be whatever you want, or you can join someone else's metaverse. Uh, But there's, uh, I just found out like Jennifer, who now works for me, uh, we've known each other for a long time. She was telling me that she worked for a real estate agency and um, the real estate agency actually has their own metaverse. So imagine um, you create this virtual world where um, you could log into your computer and you can like join the world. And it's kind of feels like a video game almost. Mm-hmm. You can kind of walk around. You got an office. You can go into the meeting room. You can go uh, into someone's office and like sit down. And when you, when you, there's proximity alert. So like once you get close enough to somebody, both the cameras pop on and you can see each other face to face. And so I'm exploring all this stuff, right? Because I'm trying to like, uh, see how we can virtually do this, uh, all work together thing, because I like to walk in and just go sit down and be like, how are you guys today? Right. Um, yeah. and so, uh, I, I, I feel like being able to do that and them being able to work from home is kind of a win-win for everybody. Uh, but that, that disconnected feeling, cause I feed off of our employees too. So mm-hmm. um, it's important that, that I'm, you know, I like to sit down and be like, Hey, how are you doing? How's life? How's your sister? You know, how's your puppy, whatever. Right. Um, and so you can't really do those things. It's, it's uh, it feels intrusive when you call somebody in the middle of the day and you're like, Hey, um, uh, got a minute and it's just awkward where like if I go sit down in their office and I'm like what have you been up to like we haven't talked in a few days right how's the baby you know whatever um and so the metaverse or a version of a metaverse allows you to create a floor plan um design offices you can design however you want and you have avatars for each person Uh, I know I'm getting a little trippy but you are in a zen room okay have this conversation um but what do you think of that as far as like um maybe kind of being that bridge between in office and out of office 
Oh, I think that's so cool. I mean, and I really do think it's the way of the future. So it's like, you know, get on board kind of thing. It's it's one of those things like I can fight it, but I know it is coming. Um, and it's, I mean, that sounds fascinating. I, and I feel like that's going to break the barriers of, you know, what some of the problems that virtual work has right now. And we have done work from home Tuesday since like 15 and it has been life-changing because it's one of those things that's like so great to like I'm not going to dress up today I'm going to have my appointments today if I the cable guy is coming or whatever all of that type life you know people need time during the week to have a life and I think that has been you know well what's crazy about that too is that used to be this really nice little thing I could hang my hat on that was so unique and now you know that's an expectation hybrid is an expectation if not fully work from home so honestly that was a little bit of a you know damn for me because now everybody's doing that um and and really right now I feel like it's just a struggle for us to collaborate the way we need to completely virtually but you know last night we're using a freelancer out of Chicago on a job and I, there was a brainstorm going on where everyone was at their computers in the office, you know, with her being remote and it was, it went really well, you know, and it was, it felt very like vibrant alive. There was a ton of laughing um, and it felt like they were getting just as much work done. So I really do see it is like, it's coming and how we adapt. Like this metaverse thing seems like such a wonderful way to approach adaptation around that. That's not just going kicking and screaming. Um, cause yeah, I, you know, and I think the thing that's really interesting to me, I love the idea of visiting, like you were saying, but yeah, it's like, so who's doing that? Cause you know, that sounds awful. We, we had a remote worker for a while. We actually had a remote office in Chicago with two employees and we wanted them to come in quarterly and spend about four days here. And then that began to really wear on them, you know, which I, w- I was shocked. I was like quarterly, you know, that's too much. Like, you know, you have a life and you have, you like your bed and if you have pets or a family, yes, exactly. That became a lot. So I think that would make a lot of sense. Like I could see me going somewhere for a couple of days, asking them to come in just for a couple of days. You know, we were really trying to get more bang for our buck by having them fly in for four days, five days. But I think that's just a lot to ask. So I think it's super fascinating. And, And I am very excited about you know this new frontier of work I think work is so different now and and the pandemic you know obviously there were so many downsides to it but I completely agree with you that the the positives outweigh the negatives in the way that it it really just smashed so many of society's expectations of what work in life are and I think it's going to and it have you know such a beautiful before and after in the future I agree. Um, So what is it like in the day of Kristen Brown? Like, (laughs) walk me through, you wake up, you go to work. What, what do you do? Well, so I do have three kids. So that is a huge part of my life. They are two, eight and 10. So, okay. I know. I always like to tell people same dad, same family. (laughs) Because I've got two. I got a yeah. seven-year-old and a uh, 12-year-old. My 12-year-old's uh, my daughter and a seven-year-old's son. And um, we are experiencing um, uncontrollable emotions with my daughter. Yes, right now. tween. Yeah, and I'm struggling <laughs> uh, hardcore. 
And so my wife uh, sent me a book uh, yesterday. She wants me to prioritize. I'm like, yeah, I got like eight other books. She's like, "Mm, this one will be your next. And then you can get back to those. I'm like, okay. So probably good advice. Yeah, probably. I do a side note, shout out to Positive Parenting Solution. Have you ever heard of it? I have not. Um, she is fantastic. Her name's Amy McCready and I am obsessed with her content. She does like a class. It's, it's almost like a podcast, but she does sell it. She has like workbooks and stuff. And it has been probably the best resource I've found around. What's it called? Positive Parenting Solution. And so she has an app you can download and engage with that. She has a community online where you can like ask all these questions. She's fantastic. And she just does a lot of like, this is why this is happening, which gives you a lot more, you know, explanation around this crazy behavior, what feels crazy. And she goes all the way from toddler to teen. I was such a bad kid. Horrible. (laughs) Uh, That I, I'm, fully aware of the evil in the world. And um, I'm deathly afraid that my daughter is going to get exposed to it and make better decisions than I made, but I don't want to tell her how bad of a person I was. So how do you do that? Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to get off on it too far of a tangent with parenting, but um, this is the book. Oh, can't see it. I guess. Uh, Okay. It's be the dad she needs you to be. Oh, love that. Um, so this is my next book. As soon as I finish the one I've got now, I told her I would start that one. So which I do think dads, that's a it's a heavy responsibility, dads and daughters, but I think it does make such a big difference. So Huge difference. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I, I was telling a buddy of mine, he's got a daughter, and we were talking about this same thing. And and he was like, he said, Well. He said, have you told your daughter what it means when a boy tells her that she's pretty? And I was like, no, what do you mean? <laughs> like, it means nothing. Like, absolutely nothing. And I was like, very true. I was like, all right, I'll get on that. So that's um, amazing. Yeah. So there's certain things like, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm just, we're at this stage where it's like, this is where it started going bad for me. And I just, I don't know. I, I want something so different. I spent my whole life trying to create something different for her and my son that uh, like, I'm almost holding on too tight. And I don't, I'm not, I don't fear many things in life, but this is, this is one of them. Oh, I say that's a worthy fear. Yeah. You know, I think that's such good advice about the dad daughter thing. One thing my dad did, which I don't tell him this enough, but he, I felt like such a badass and like, I was so loved by him that it had, and it had nothing to do with what I looked like, obviously. And so that made me extremely confident moving forward with, you know, I, I, none of my self-worth or at least as much as my parents could control, because that's hard for a woman, Yeah, you know, my self-worth was not dependent on my, the way I looked. Cause then you have everything else in the world telling her that's everything. Yeah. You know? And I, I feel like there's gotta be a perfect balance because you, you want her to be confident in the way she looks exactly how she is. And then you don't want her to have a big head and believe everything that she hears. And and so like, I don't know, I'm really struck. Like you guys, we're going to go into like a deep dive here. If we don't change the subject. But, um, all right. So you're a mother. Of three. Culture. Yeah, we started parenting podcast yes. 
Uh, well, and I love uh, one thing I think that really helps foster culture is like you're available for these. Are you emotionally available for those types of conversations with your employees? Yeah, I'm assuming yes. you are since we just met. Totally. <laughs> yes, I'm probably too involved. In the lives. Uh, I think uh, there are periods of time where they're like, okay, you can back off now. Yeah, but I think that creates a closeness, you know, it creates that. It does. It's huge from an employee perspective. And I know Ryan hates when I say things because it sounds like I'm just, but seriously, like one thing that I feel like employers can really do, shut up. I'm not, (laughs) I'm a positive, but it means a lot from an employee perspective to have a boss that takes an interest and knows your kid's name and asks about him and says, what up when we're on the phone together, if he knows my son is in the room and uh, like just the atmosphere of, of being, being cared about as an actual person, like I am acknowledging that I, as an employee, am, am, am more than what I can do for you as an employer. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? That has been so much uh, of a blessing for me. Um, and I think that's important. And a lot of guys in the garage door industry that I've, I've been able to talk to do that. And it seems it's something that I feel like they, you know, that they really got that right. Consistency in everything, including price reliability, quality, not just quality, but great quality control. These are things that describe Somer USA. Somer's not some startup company, not one that you need to be worried about going out of business in the near future. Somer's a two, Somer and their family of businesses are $200 million companies. They're in over a hundred countries and they have locations in 20 countries. This is a large organization who stands behind their product and works through integrity. And there's not another company out there willing to drop what they're doing and help you out like Somer. These guys are awesome. Not only have they been loyal to the Torsion Talk podcast, they've been loyal to the technicians and the owners of the companies who install their product. In my opinion, if you're not at least offering Somer as an additional option, you're cheating yourself. Listen, first time dealers, I've got a special for you. If you buy 10 or more Somers between now and the end of the season six, while supplies last, we will offer you free shipping. You have no more excuses. The prices are great. The product is amazing. Go check out Somer USA and order 10 for free shipping. I'm going to tell you guys a marketing secret. You want to gain more social media likes, shares, and follows? People love unique and cool projects. There are no better photos to share than the ones on Schweiss Doors social accounts. These guys post some incredible things. Make sure to go there and like and share their Facebook and Instagram posts with your business account. So if you like their business account, you can share their uh, their post. The bifold doors are awesome and they're doing some great projects that will go viral on social media if you share them. Go right now to Schweiss Door on Facebook and check out some of the projects they share and like their page. Oh, and don't forget, no one builds a better bifold than Schweiss. That's really interesting in the garage door industry. I think that's such a huge part. It's like the whole person comes to work. 
Mm -hmm. I think there used to be this expectation, you know, really archaic work model of like, leave that stuff at home, check that at the door, Mm -hmm. you know, check your emotions at the door. And that's just like, so unrealistic. And I think that's a big part of culture is like, the whole person comes to work at for us, that has really been a huge part of we have started offering mental health support to people and in almost an expectation of our management team, people in leadership. You You do it with current staff? Or did you bring somebody in from the outside? Um, we, you mean, as far as who's the support? Yeah. So we have a, you know, we have a internal website where we have all of our resources listed and then we pay 50% of any mental health support. So we actually used to pay a hundred percent. And I actually think 50% is better because we need them to have skin in the game too. I need them to not be canceling appointments and taking it seriously. And so I highly recommend people go to the 50% model or where at least they're paying some of it. Um, And then we really do require our, you know, that's something I'm still battling with because it's like, can you actually make third-party mental health support a requirement? Um, But I would say, I can confidently say to our people, that's the path to success here. Um, because the biggest, you know, awareness I had, the reason I started getting coaching in 2015 around, I mean, you know, I, I, a pro therapy person since probably around second yeah. grade. Oh my God. It's so good. Um, yeah. I actually <laughs> told my wife just the other day, I was like, you know what? I, I think I would like to get both our kids, um, into therapy, just, oh, yeah. just to have them feel free to say whatever they want with no repercussions, um, and, be able to learn how to vocalize um, their emotions and share because we're at that age where I think like my daughter's starting to keep secrets from us. And then my son sometimes struggles like vocalizing. So yeah, I think I'm well, and like normalize that for them, you know, yeah. like where, you know, if you start going to therapy at eight, like I did, you certainly don't think anything of it at 38. And I think, right what it's it sucks for people who have such negative connotations around that because it's hard for them to get past i mean it's definitely holding them back yeah and i think as a manager especially you get you know you you bring that your baggage to the table and that's really unfair when you're supposed to be leading other people i think mm-hmm. which is parenting so it should be a requirement of parenting yeah And as a business owner too, I think it's super important because I tell people all the time, like the two loneliest positions in business that I've ever seen is a business owner and a pastor. Um, Oh yeah. They're so judged and they have like a persona that they kind of have to put off. Like I'm the leader, you know, and then you you can show weakness, but not too much. And who are you going to talk to? Because, um, can't just talk to anybody about problems with the business or your family and you don't want to go home and talk about business all the time so your spouse probably gets a little tired of hearing it all the time um, and you don't want to stress them out either right so like who do you talk to and so I think it's right. great to have uh, have that outlet someone that you can just go into and just dump and it feels good like, yes. Well, and the, one of the things that I've told, talked to our employees about is, you know, we read all this stuff about how, you know, wellness is your body being safe, even when you don't feel safe. You know, grounded leadership is not having a physical reaction in the moment so that you can stay clear headed and make good decisions. So, you know, and it's like, well, but how? That is, that is really, it, it's one thing to wrap your brain around that. 
but then how do you get there? The only way that I know how to get there is through therapy. So someone bring me another option. I am totally open to it and we will pay 50%. You know, if you can get that guy. Yes, like really. Somebody would bring me a problem. I'd be like, oh my God, are you serious? <laughs> How can you not, you know, like, and you just blow up and then like it, it clouds your vision to be able to see the solution. So you're absolutely right. Now, when people bring things to me, I'm like, okay, cool. What, uh, good. Remember? Right. So yeah. if you, uh, if you ever watch, um, what's his name? Jocko Willink. Jocko. He's okay. Uh, I know I've heard that name. Yeah, he, he does a podcast and um, he was like a leader on SEAL Team 3 or something. Oh, yes. He wrote a book. Okay, I've totally heard of this. Book, uh, Extreme Ownership, which is phenomenal, by the way. And he wrote another one, uh, Dichotomy of Leadership and a couple others. I've read all of them. They're freaking awesome. Uh, but he always says like every time one of his leaders would bring him a problem, he'd be like, good. <laughs> they would get so frustrated he'd be like oh my god i got a problem and i know what you're gonna say he's like what am i gonna say say like, you're gonna say good and he's like yeah exactly so what's the problem and then he's like good um because that is so awesome it's an opportunity right every problem comes with some type of opportunity whether it's training whether it's like just learning whether it's whatever it's it's an opportunity and so i love his perspective and it's helped me out uh, greatly. Cause now I'm like, ah, oh, that, you know, I'd be like, talk to Josh. He's my general manager. So yeah. they're going to be like, uh, you're going to be so upset. And I'm like, what is it? And they're like, they say it. And I'm like, oh, you're fine. Go talk to Josh. <laughs> so they're like, you're not mad. I'm like, no, I'm not mad. Just learn from it. You're good. Totally. Uh, so, totally. Yeah. Well, and I think that like, that's such a huge part of leadership, like that energy trickles down. So, you know, are we going to deliver the information? Like, some scary news with a lot of confidence or are we going to blow it up and have you know the entire office running scared with with all that frenetic energy and I think that it's taken me a long time to figure that out and now I do feel like I'm really mastering that for myself and so now I I need other people to come along with me. And, and that's the thing about the third party support. I just don't know any other way to do it. You know, there's, we expect people to engage in radical responsibility of self. So, you know, self-care or what does that look like for you? How do you process your emotions? Um, but then I think that can take you to a certain point, but you're not going to be able to dig into the baggage, you know, why? Okay. It's one thing to feel really triggered by something and then go on a run and kind of exercise that emotion out but how are we making sure that we're not as triggered next time? That's therapy. And that's why, you know, right now I'm not at the point where I call it mandatory, but I would say it's practically mandatory. So, uh, awesome. yeah. So that's something I wouldn't say that's part of my every day, but I would say part self-care is part of my every day. Um, in some way that also took me a really long time to, you know, own like, I deserve to work out. I deserve, you know, that's another thing that we do as part of our, we really want to see that in people's timesheets. So because we are an agency, time is our commodity. We track our time. I'd say it's one of the worst things about working here, but what we do want to see is you engaging in, you know, stress management every week. So we want to see therapy in your timesheet. We want to see working out in your timesheet because, awesome. um, because you're not bringing your best self to the office unless you're doing that stuff. Um, and, in, and it is hard to get all that stuff done in a, with, if you're working 40 hours, you know, that's why I think we're, 
society isn't really set up to support people working 40 hours and having work-life harmony. So, so I would say that's a big part of my day is like figuring out how to manage that stress. And we do have an office and I love coming to the office. So that's kind of one of those things that I I will have a hard time letting go of. I love it. I tried working from home when I was in software and I only found myself because the office was like an hour away. So, um, and I hate traffic. I hate driving period. So (laughs) I bought a motorcycle, (laughs) a lot more fun, but, uh, I found myself just like signing up for a, um, like a co-working space and just Mm -hmm. driving there. But I mean, all my people were, were nationwide, but I still enjoyed going to the office and going and sitting down with some of the support people and sitting down with some of the, you know, uh, product people and, uh, bribing them with lunch to tell me what they're working on. Um, so that's, uh, those were all things that, that I enjoyed and I'm such a people person. And have you, have you read the energy bus? No, it's good. This is another good one. Yeah. Gotta check out the energy. Okay. I'll definitely write that down. So I'll give you kind of a high, so I won't give the book away, but, um, this book is all about, like, I learned about it from, uh, the university of Georgia. I'm a huge George Bulldogs football fan. And uh, Coach Rick, who is an amazing human being, um, he had a problem with some discipline on the team. And so he uh, he bought the book for everybody and had them read it. And um, they put up posters um, and everything kind of remind everybody. But you, you really like there's two different types of people. Basically, you have uh, energy vampires. Um, we all are familiar with those, right? Like, okay, I have heard this term. Yeah. So you meet somebody and they suck the life out of you. Yes. Um, And then you have people who uh, put life in you, right? Where you walk away and you feel good about yourself and you, you're like, oh man, that was awesome. And you really look forward to like meeting that person again. Um, And so it talks about this guy who, um, who's very much like probably 90% of Americans um, where things are just not going his way. And he's kind of like, like, oh, poor me, you know, whatever. And so uh, he ends up having to get a, a, take the public transit to work every day. And there's a bus driver named Joy, and she walks him through um, some steps to make his life better. And it's a very easy read. Um, there's also a children's version that I've gotten for my kids that's phenomenal. Um, and so they kind of implement the same bus uh, thing, but it's more about like bullying and how to handle it and stuff like that. Um, and, and the oh, author is cool. great. Yeah. The, the book's amazing. Um, huge fan of it. So if you haven't read that, you should check it out. Um, I will definitely look that up. I know I'm in a mastermind group and someone has recently used that term, the, the energy vampire. So that's probably where they got it. I'm grateful that we don't have any employees right now that suck the life out of me, but I've had plenty. Um, yeah. And I try to get rid of them as quickly as possible. Um, because I've tried changing them and they don't change. Um, right. So anyway, Kristen, you're freaking awesome. Um, <laughs> I wish I could hang out in the Zen room one day. Uh, where, where are you guys out of again? We're in Columbia, Missouri. You're always welcome. I have been to Columbia, Missouri. Whoa, really? Yes. For football? Uh, I, yes. Uh, so <laughs> the first year that Missouri went into the SEC, yes. uh, Georgia played Missouri at Missouri. But the Falcons were also playing Kansas City in Kansas City that same weekend. So I looked at my wife and I was like, this is our shot. Like, <laughs> to, 
uh, because we want to travel around and visit uh, all the different parks, like baseball and football parks. Uh, we're big Braves fans as Fun. well. So we we knocked out two. We went to the Missouri fans were like so great. We ended up sitting next to like some hero running back from Missouri. And he was like, told me all kinds of cool stories about when he was there. And just it was the nostalgia and everything was freaking great. And the people are so polite and it was, was wonderful. Um, then we went to the Kansas city chiefs game and it was a totally different experience. But, uh, <laughs> the fans were like rabid, crazy nuts. Um, so it was fun though. Oh, uh, I'm so glad to hear you had a good experience here. Yeah, I think she's by Derek Lyons. Oh yeah. Love Derek. Uh, the garage door guy, I think is his company, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, in, in Columbia. Is he in Columbia? Hold on. I don't yeah. know. It's so funny that you were, you know, I, we did a garage door brand not that long ago in Columbia. Who for? Um, it was, oh God, now I'm blanking on the name. How embarrassing. The client's Cade Smith, and that's not the name of the company. Smar, Smar, Smar Garage Doors. S-M-A-R-R, and his name is Cade Smith. They are fabulous owners. He and his wife, Katie Smith, run this company together. And Smar was, you know, I I can't remember exactly the origin of the name. They bought the company from somebody who must have been Smar. Um, Derek is in Stratford, Missouri. Okay. But I know if it's the same Cade Smith... um, yeah, smart garage doors. I know him. Yeah, really. Yeah, Harrisburg, Missouri. Um, yes, a couple groups together. Oh, he is a great dude, and yeah. he has he's done a lot of work on you know culture and you know building up his. Mm-hmm. I, they were so fabulous to work with. So that's awesome. Very cool. Um, well, listen, small world, and thank you so much. Like you, oh, know, thank you. Like, sure, I'll jump on this strange podcast. <laughs> uh, well, we hosted you. a podcast too for a while, so I know exactly how that is trying to get people to come on. So I love talking to you guys as well. So thank well, you for the opportunity. Blessing, yeah, we really appreciate your time. Is there anything that you want to add or leave with our listeners? No, I would say we'd love for you to check out our website at hootdesigncompany.com. We're also on Instagram at hootdesigncompany. Um, You can reach out to us there, but anyone who's looking for branding or culture support, we would love for you to reach out. Awesome. Thank you, Kristen. We appreciate your time. And guys, listen, if you guys are looking to rebrand, this might be a good shot for you. Uh, Reach out to Kristen and see if... uh, you can set up, what do you guys do, like a consultation? Yes, yeah, of course, those are always free, so. Perfect. Well, there you go, guys. And she's already familiar with the garage door industry, so. That's perfect. right. <laughs> All right. Have a great day, Kristen. We appreciate it. And you guys be safe out there, and we appreciate your support. Thank you.